0: Welcome to the Deeper Dive Podcast. Each week we take a deeper look at the text we covered in worship on Sunday. We do that by discussing things like uh, historical settings, literary context, the way others before us have read the text, and our own reflective approach to reading that same text. Well, today we're uh, continuing in uh, Hebrews and in Ephesians and uh, just following up on this idea of um, what it means to... uh, Continue to run that race, uh, and what does unity look like? <laughs> so, those are uh, two great, uh, great topics, and uh, we'll uh, jump in here and, and get cooking. I guess. So. I thought I'd
1: just uh, maybe shoot you a couple verses of scripture if you're in a place to write them down, or you can come back to this uh, when we're talking about how is it that I deal with weariness. Um, just came from a really great prayer meeting when we were talking about this at several different levels. And uh, if you've got your uh, your pencil handy, or you want to come back, Matthew eleven twenty eight and thirty, uh, Jesus says, "Come to me when you're weary and burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest." Uh, John fifteen four, I think, is the key to whatever it is we do in life, where it talks about King James says, "Abide in me." A New International Version says, um, brain dead for the moment. Um, But anyway, it's basically the same thing, abide in me, remain in me, I think is what uh, Mm -hmm. NIV says. Um, And um, so some of those verses, Psalm 37, you know, be still and know that I am God. Uh, Psalm 23, uh, this is my question, when's the last time you uh, stopped beside the still waters and rested? Um, and so I think that our weariness really sometimes affects our spiritual lives and our faith. In in uh, not sometimes it does. It just affects our spiritual lives and our faith in a derogatory manner. And uh, uh, Isaiah forty, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And so I'm really convinced that's why the enemy wants to keep us busy and wants to keep it so keep us as believers so busy. So that we fall into some of those same sorts of traps, but mm-hmm. yeah. anyway, right. that might be just some places for you to go. I don't know if you have any scriptures. Uh, Isaac. Yeah,
0: I'm a big fan of um, the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. So the the you know Matthew uh, five, six, and seven uh, is typically where you see that. There's a version of it in Luke too, but um, it uh, it you know there's a lot of great teaching in there, but it's really about um, these people that he's talking to, uh, mainly his disciples, really more than mm-hmm. than the, the large crowd, about how to uh, uh, live in the world in a very uh, big way, um, in a certain extent. In the middle of that is this section on um, on uh, worry. We typically think about it as worry, but it's really about being steadfast. And so Matthew six twenty five through the end of that chapter, uh, which is the basically the uh, you know. Uh, Don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink. Um, You know, look at the birds. They've got it together. Mm -hmm. And uh, are you more valuable than birds? And uh, why are you worrying about uh, what you look like, what you're going to do uh, with your clothes, these kinds of things. I mean, it's it's just setting the universe in a particular frame, and we see our place in that and know that God's got our back, essentially. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I always recommend the message version of that. If you can get a hold of that, you can find that anywhere online. But just a great uh, a great way to say that, I think, in that section there. That's great. Yeah. Always good. That whole uh, five, six, and seven, you know, when I was in um, the, the first class that I took on uh, the Gospels together, one of our professors uh, made us, we thought it was very laborious and um, <laughs> almost... Uh, Dickensian uh, to to have us memorize Matthew five six and seven and then write it out as uh, as poor college students early in the morning and that has been uh, an incredible gift I think that's um, neat to, uh, to still have that inside and uh, it's long but it's very memorable kind of stuff and um, that's part I think uh, part of the um, the battle against weariness is about what you put inside yourself on a regular basis and what you um, can fall back on, I think, in those moments. And so these scriptures that, that you've uh, mentioned as well, they're, they're, they're great, they're short, they're very easily memorizable. And uh, I think it's a good, a good practice, honestly, to just commit those to memory. Um, because when we commit, it, commit them to memory,
1: they may come back to us at a time when we 're either i think our physical bodies affects our soul as much as anything does, and when yeah. we 're tired we don 't necessarily think clearly, but if they 're already sitting in our
0: mind on a shelf someplace right well and that 's something where you know I think we can take a page out of um, you know 12 step programs and addiction recovery programs they are very, very intentional about. Uh, you know, making sure that you're not making decisions when you're tired, when you're hungry, when you're um, really at the bottom, when you're, uh, you know, just waking up or just going to bed. Uh, know, know the parameters and know how um, <laughs> how these things work, mm-hmm. and that's just part of your body. You're right. Yeah. And if you yeah. want to
1: intentionally, I mean, as a believer. Uh, be able to survive these times or actually thrive in these times of weariness. I I'm just a believer in preparation. I'm a believer in in having a plan. So, I've been around long enough that when I start to get tired and weary, I I've, I've start to recognize the signs in what I'm saying or my attitudes. Right. And then I put into some practice some things that I've learned in the past rather than just
0: yeah. It's not a it's not a uh, it's not a magic formula, but it certainly does get you further down the road mm-hmm. than than uh, not doing it. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yeah, you know, it really is that's for sure. Well, you also mentioned I think this concept of unity. You want to talk about that a little bit today because I think that's something that's very uh, people are either just uh, super sure about what it means to be. Uh, in unity or they have no idea that it seems there's no middle ground either there's a very set specific list of this is what it means to be unified or people have no idea and they're just walking around going i don't know if we could ever be unified about anything mm-hmm. um so I, i'm interested to talk about that today what uh what, what are your thoughts on that well my thoughts uh uh my
1: thoughts really are are settled around and have been for uh several years now about what's happening in the larger united methodist Church sure and uh everybody uh in in the sense of this uh, this special called session of general conference in february the twenty one through twenty three I think of next year uh, over this human sexuality conversation um uh, we talk about we want to be unified, but we only want to be unified as long as we can be unified the way I believe and what I want. Um, and so uh, that whole concept of unity, uh, somebody wrote that unity as being in harmony with each other, but harmony doesn't have to be singing the same. I mean, you can have a four-part harmony. Right. Yeah. And uh uh, that sense of harmony and i I'm not sure how good
0: we are at that at believers um uh... yeah, I think we probably tend again to a you know unity means uniformity mm-hmm. uh, which means everything uh looks the same um, and the harmony I think is a great a great analogy because it does uh th- there is some. There's some consistency in rhythm but not full uniformity in rhythm mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, about when the notes happen. Certainly the pitches are different and sometimes they are uh, pitches that we would call um, consonant pitches. This is a little music theory lesson mm-hmm. here today. Okay. So uh, Consonant pitches which are pitches that um, uh, are very much uh, pleasant to uh, the ear in some ways. Uh, and then dissonant pitches which are pitches that uh, really kind of demand a resolution somewhere. Like they, they fight against each other just for a little bit until there's that resolution. And so harmony is a mixture of both of those things. It's not just a mixture of pleasant pitches, but it's a mixture of creating this tension and this release. And, um, sometimes our unity, I think, uh, is that way as well. That Mm -hmm. it's not, um, that part of it is the, the journey toward, uh, you know the resolution of tension but we have to recognize that still in the middle of that there is right unity as well um i think about um
1: singing in the sense of singing in unison which means we all sing the same pitch but the fullness and of course i'm from a, a gospel background so sure. i think of a I think of great gospel quartets Uh um, or even singing groups. Uh, I had a group called uh, Country Praise uh, for about eight years, and uh, the harmony that we had brought a fuller piece to it, but we also had to work at it because my capacity to sing at the pitch level that my partner's capacity to sing at, we weren't necessarily pitched the same way. She could go – Miles higher than I could go, right. and we really had to work at that yes. to get a good sound. Um, yeah. And I, I'm not sure that. I guess my hope is the best for the church in general that we're willing to work at that. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm just honestly concerned about that. I, um, um, because it's too easy to take my ball and go home and play. Um,
0: in some ways, um. yeah, yeah. There's a you know there are a couple of different forces I think at work on us in that I think there's this you know desire that there is one a specific way of seeing the world of seeing God and I'm the person who knows that the best. Mm-hmm. Now most people wouldn't say it in those stark terms, but I think there's something that kind of pushes us toward that. Um, that perspective that there is behind all of these different layers, there's only one way to do this and I need to find that one right way. And, um, I'm just not sure that that's reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, it certainly isn't scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> you know, uh,
1: well between, uh, for a while between Peter and Paul and then, I mean, they're, um, Their divisions or their arguments or whatever we frame them as Mm -hmm. uh, came because uh, Peter was committed to the Jews. Paul was called to go to the Gentiles. Um, And uh, it was – I was uh, either reading or listening to something the other day that was talking about – uh, Paul being called to Jerusalem to give an accounting right. <laughs> of what was going on. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, that yeah. may have been Sunday afternoon at charge conference. Oh. Jim Jim Barnett, our superintendent, mm-hmm. was got to do a little preaching, and mm-hmm. uh, he was. I, maybe that's where I heard that. But I was just reminded of that that uh, uh, because Paul was doing it to a different people, preaching it to a different people, preaching it in a different way. They were worshiping right. in a different way. That he was called in to account.
0: And uh Yeah. Well you know what's interesting about that is that all uh, all sides I mean we might use the word civil about it, and maybe that's not the right word, but I think um all of those people involved in that accounting in Jerusalem. I think expected the best out of everyone in the situation, mm-hmm. even though some things had been stirred up that were unsettling uh, to everyone involved. Um, everyone came around that table with the expectation that uh, God is doing something here. We just want to figure out what that is together. And um, and they did that. And, and uh, people... Uh, it wasn't compromise, necessarily in the sense that we think about, you know, American political compromise, mm-hmm. which we don't do anymore anyway, so it doesn't matter. But <laughs> um, historically speaking, but uh, the but the idea that um, they are uh, unity because it seemed good to them and to the Holy Spirit is mm-hmm. the, the, the line in Acts, I think, um, and they they come away from that. Uh, you know uh, the church in Jerusalem being a little bit more informed and expanded because of what, what Paul was doing, and Paul being a little bit more connected to those folks in Jerusalem, and saying, "You know what? What you're doing is great. You might want to also consider these things mm-hmm. as well as you're as you're doing this." So both sides are are helping each other instead of uh, you know planting a stake in the ground and saying, "This is the only right way to, to go about this." Um, which we're sorely in, in need of, oh, quite my. honestly, today.
1: Uh, the older I've gotten, the more I've realized that I don't. I don't. God didn't give me the only uh, little bit of wisdom there in the world. Um, I've uh, and I've. I've also understood. Uh, we read John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, but we often miss John seventeen. Uh, which talks about God's the, the one who'll take care of right. of the – that's not our role. That's yep. not our job. We're to bring them to Jesus and let right. Jesus take it from there. Uh, right. Yep. That's a pretty loose translation. Sure. Right. <laughs> um, so I I, uh, I think about whether that's in our local church. Uh, people like different ways of doing things, thinks thing, think things should be done – Different ways, and generally we think our way is the best way. Um, and th- that's – I think what I really want folks to hear is that's not the voice of God speaking. The voice of God speaking is that we need to agree that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, committed to that, convinced of that. Our role is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. So much of this other stuff – then right. is about we're trying to determine who's worthy and who's not worthy, uh, and that that generally gets us sidetracked, which is exactly what the enemy wants sure.
0: is to yeah. get us sidetracked. Yeah, it's uh, you know early on in the history of the church, um, you know the development of scripture is uh, is a uh, an interesting story in and of itself. Um, But there's a lot of material in those 66 books of of the Bible that were kind of canonized, you know, so to speak. A few more if you want to talk about the others, but you know, it's a footnote. But but early on in the life of the church, they said we need a more uh, concise way to talk about unity and to talk about what we believe, how do we condense this down, and so these these affirmations of faith, these creeds become very important because they become shorthand for what it means to be unified. Um, it's not something that you just kind of say because, you know, we say it, uh, it's something that points to these are the, these are the foundational things that, um, we read the rest of life through. And so these are the things that we agree on or belief. Uh, you know, we believe these things is another way to say that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so those are a great place to start um, when you uh, think about issues that might be smaller than that. You can always back up and say, "Is this an issue that we, you know, affir- affirm together mm-hmm. uh, in any of the creeds or affirmations of faith that we that we use?" And you know, probably nine point nine 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 times out of ten, it is not. <laughs> it's not in there, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so it becomes uh, second, third level at. At, at best, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a, it's not an issue that we need to divide over in a sense. Yeah. I think one of the things that
1: uh, it's helpful for uh, believers to remember uh, is that, uh, regardless of what the issue is, regardless of which side of an issue you happen to be on, there are good people involved in this, and there's yeah. godly people involved <laughs> in this, and we just have a different line of thought, or we may have a different track of upbringing and what we've been taught. We may have, uh, but the fact is, wherever you are in whatever conversation, we're talking hopefully a child of God who has claimed Jesus and who God claims, and we've got to find some way to work, either work through that or it. when we start to shoot each other with our gospel guns that's when we are really destroying the kingdom's witness um and that that's the part that breaks yeah. my heart i think
0: yes and it's you know oftentimes it's you know either this is what the bible says or this is truth or you know we use those terms as if uh somehow they're they uh have their root and definition completely outside of our own speaking of them mm-hmm. like no when you say that you're automatically bringing some of your own uh mm-hmm. your own stuff into that and i think the quicker we recognize that and and recognize that we need uh more than just our own uh opinion on these things uh, in order to uh see god more clearly you know it's it is that old that old parable of the, you know, all the blind people with the elephant, and what right. are you? I mean, there's there is a lot of uh, there's a lot of help in that uh, to notice that we are not uh, graced with this all-knowing perspective on the issue, and that we need each other to put together a more fuller picture mm-hmm. of who God is, what He's doing, et cetera.
1: You know. I don't remember if it was one or all services on Sunday when I was talking about my – It's for me, it's a theology. It, it Some could call it a philosophy, that if I'm going to make a mistake about anything, I want it to be on the side of grace. Uh, yeah. Because I come back to the story of when Jesus said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. I've walked around with stones in my pocket before to remind me of that. I've sure. handed them out on a Sunday morning yeah. to help remind folks. Okay, if you're without sin, then go ahead and throw it, but if right. you're not, why don't you just let it drop
0: to the ground? Right, yeah, yeah, you know, I think uh, yeah, Jesus' call in that that parable is to look what's happening right in front right. of you.'t don't, don't look back necessarily to the law of Moses and try to dissect that for this specific uh, you know situation here, mm-hmm. but what's happening right here in front of you? Here is this woman, here is uh, the situation. And uh, you're not attentive to it, so why? Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, wow. friends,
1: um, next Sunday, as a matter of fact, we're going back to Matthew, and um, going to be picking up some things in uh, in uh, Matthew chapter five and the beginning of those Beatitudes. So, I encourage you, if you're uh, if you're uh, coming to worship, you might read through those five, six, and seven before you get here. Yeah. If you're listening on the live stream, you know, you can pick that uh, Bible up either at home, even the, the physical Bible, you can get it on your phone or on your iPad or wherever it is and do some reading and ahead of time and uh, just be, uh, be ready to do some thinking.
0: Yep, that'll be good stuff. Well, uh, and if you want to get a hold of us, you know how to do that uh, all, all over the Internet. And uh, like Randy said, we'll be back next week with those. So until then, grace and peace.